There is no choice. My only choice is not to vote at all. Democracy is horrible. Absolutely horrible. Welcome to Considering Truth, a podcast about religion, philosophy, and as a special treat, a little bit of politics. We're a few friends trying to wrap our minds around this thing called truth. Episode 6, Voting! On today's episode, we'll be discussing voting! Somebody's gotta do it. I'm Mike Went. I'm Josh Olson. And I'm Tim Zwicker. Welcome back, everyone, to the sixth episode of Considering Truth. Well, I guess the time of the year has come when we have to vote. Uh, it's probably the least fun I have ever had in picking candidates Is to that vote ever for. Fun? Uh, I don't know if fun, but it's definitely been the least fun. You have to vote! No! Yes! No! Yes! Um, but we thought we'd tackle this problem uh, this week and see if we can find any truth for consideration. Uh, before we get into how to pick what to vote for, maybe we have to talk about who are our choices and just kind of lay in, that out in a general sense. <laughs> in case you've been living under a rock for the past year and or, haven't been on Facebook. Or in case this is in the archives and this is like, you know, 2030 and no That's one right. knows about the 2016 uh, About election. the pre-apocalypse times? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, no, but, yeah. <clears throat> so um, our options for this... For the 2016 election are the Democrat, Hillary Clinton, the Republican, Donald Trump, other, so that includes third-party candidates or writing candidates. There's also none. You could choose to leave the field blank. And then I'm choosing as a special um, option, apathy, which is slightly different than none. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit because I think... In terms of considering truth, we need to talk about the heart of the matter here. Yeah, and I think that's really more of a, a heart issue. The, the first couple are, are are what you do, but the, the apathy is is how you're feeling about it, and that that informs well, what you do. Right, what you do and why. And I think that 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 has to do with truth. So we're we're on good ground. So kind of segueing into why, I think we need to bring some criteria to how we how we pick candidates and this isn't I'm trying to stay away from the hey this one will save me more on my taxes and this one will accomplish you know more for and the, this one will the, bring around the, about the end of the world right <laughs> so there's a a number of different ways that people go about picking candidates and and some of them I think we will all agree are probably not great but that's these are criteria that people do use like uh, so, will bring about the end of the world Cthulhu, 2016. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that your write-in candidate? <laughs> so, Josh, you want to kind of go through a few of these since I think you were... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, over the last, I'd say, goodness, what is it? It's October. So about five months, I've had a lot of different conversations with people about this, and I've noticed several different criteria. And in fact, this election cycle, Mike, you said in the intro that this is the least fun you've had. This has probably been the most difficult time I've had choosing. Mm-hmm. Um, and typically in, in prior elections, I, I, at the very least, I felt like the choice was, you know, maybe not great, but at least clear. And I am not getting a clear mm-hmm. choice. And so I've tried to adopt several different criteria for how to choose. The first set of criteria is I would head with 
who can I endorse? And th these kind of fall into questions like, who agrees with me? Who represents me and my views the best? Who do I like? Who will get the things done that I want done? Those are the kinds of criteria that I've tried using. And unfortunately, for this special election, that seems to have failed <laughs> in terms of, in terms of making a definitive choice. You have talked about, you know, endorsing, and I think we'll come back to it, to that in a little bit, because I think it, that is a question that's come up a number of times. But uh, there's also this idea of earning a vote. You know, so-and-so, this candidate needs to earn my vote. My vote is, is not just automatically given to, to whoever is out there. But I think my vote is automatically in play. Like, I always feel like I need to be voting. And so kind of going back to those, those none options or those apathy options, you know, I feel like as Christians, we have been blessed in this country with the ability to vote. And as a good steward of that ability, I should be doing the best I can with the, the time and resources that I have. And granted, I have a family and I have a job and other commitments, so and I can't podcast. spend... You have to run on this podcast. podcast. <laughs> um, but those compete for my time. But I, I, I don't spend no time looking into this. I, I do try to spend a reasonable amount of time looking at the candidates, what their positions are, where they're at. And, and I think that's part of being a, a steward of the resource that God has given me, this vote. But you mentioned, you know, sort of earning the vote there early on. And I, I think that this is different than endorsing someone, or which was the first set of criteria that we talked about, who agrees with me, essentially. But earning the vote, you might not necessarily agree with everything the person says, but their character and their history is such that, you know, you look at them and they, they seem to have good leadership skills. Even though you don't always agree with them, you feel like with them at the helm, they might not always make the decision you would make, but they're not going to veer off and crash into the coastline, right? Uh, to, to use a, a, a metaphor there. In any case, the problem again is, what if no one's earned my vote? So now... There's no one I feel I can endorse. That was problem one. And now I don't agree with anyone, but, and in addition, no one's earned my vote. So now what do I do? I think panic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that this year has been hard for a couple of reasons. One is, is that the candidate choices that were given are not significantly different in quality. We all agree that they are on par with each other for maybe different reasons, but but they all have, in this case, negatives. But assuming that we had uh, a whole bunch of good candidates, it would be hard to pick between them. And I think this is a, a hardness that comes from a difficulty of deciding between candidates. But I think there's a second reason why this has been a hard year to vote, and that's because they have both been equally poor choices. They've both had, there isn't a happy choice. You know, it's, it's not too bad when I have two great candidates where I can say, ah, you know, I can flip a coin and, you know, I'll be happy with either of them. This is, I can flip a coin and I'll be, you know, miserable with either of them. I'm um, just, I'm picturing Indiana Jones going into the, the temple and choosing a goblet and the old knight there saying, you chose wisely or you chose <laughs> Poorly. And, and here it is. We go into the voting booth, we check the box, and we come out, 
and we're looking for that knight, and what does he say? It doesn't matter which box we check, we feel like he's going to say, you chose poorly, and then we'll crumble to dust and blow away. As a country. <laughs> I don't know, I, maybe we're getting into the nitty-gritty here, but I I struggle to see how the... I mean, I, I don't think that we have two equally... Mike, you said you, you seem to, to compare them and say, well, they're about equal. And I, I honestly don't think we have that. But I still don't like both candidates. And we can get into some specifics on the candidates, but I think this one is one where we're not going to be happy with whatever happens in this case because neither of them are more in the positives than in the negatives in, in, in our books. You know, There's more to dislike about these candidates than there is to like about them mm-hmm. by a long shot. And that's why I think you might have mentioned it, you know, picking the lesser of two evils. There's, you know, you can also call it the greater of two goods, but it's this, how do you choose results? And most of these results, most of these candidates, in fact, all of them are not going to be all the way in the good category or perfect category or all the way in the evil incarnate category. They're going to be somewhere in the middle and there's going to be some good and some bad about it. We're humans and politicians are probably more human than than most, uh, unless they're lizards. Now it's time for an obscure literary reference. Yes, you heard me right in that last section. I just said politicians are lizards. This comes from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. Here's a section for your enjoyment. On its world, the people are people. The leaders are lizards. The people hate the lizards, and the lizards rule the people. Odd, said Arthur. I thought you said it was a democracy. I did, said Ford. It is. So, said Arthur, hoping he wasn't sounding ridiculously obtuse, why don't the people get rid of the lizards? It honestly doesn't occur to them, said Ford. They've all got the vote, so they all pretty much assume that the government they voted in more or less approximates to the government they want. You mean they actually vote for the lizards? Oh, yes, said Ford with a shrug. Of course. But, said Arthur, going in for the big one again, why? Because if they didn't vote for a lizard, said Ford, the wrong lizard might get in. That's it for this obscure literary reference. Now back to the podcast. So, I, I mean, another criteria one might use is, is to say, well, I'm voting the party line, or I'm picking this one issue. I know a lot of a lot of people who who have said, "Well, um, abortion is the issue," and because Donald Trump is going to appoint Supreme Court justices that are supposedly anti-abortion, or at least constitutional non-reinterpretists, or I, I guess strict constructionists, that he's the better choice. Period. So, in a ethical situation, or when ethicists are talking about situations, oftentimes they'll try and distill it down to the very simplest example that they can. And oftentimes this is good for determining what is ethical in a very controlled environment, but it doesn't apply oftentimes when you get into the real world. But in that clinical thing, it's an ethical dilemma. Um, The greater of two goods or the lesser of two evils is it is unethical to not choose the lesser of two evils either by action or inaction. And I think this is kind of related to to him who knows to do good, but doesn't do it, 
that's sin. This is if you have two choices and you must choose, or the absence of choosing would pick something anyway, not to pick the lesser of two evils is unethical. But I, I've kind of primed the pump there with, you know, this is in a clinical setting. It's a, it's in the lab. It, there's no, no outside. And I think there are a whole bunch of criticisms of the lesser of two evils. Uh, the first one is, is that, and obviously is that it's a false dilemma in the real world. Most of the time, are lesser of two evils. It's lesser of 15 evils, lesser of these two evils, but there may be other choices. Lesser of unknown evils, because we don't know what's really going to happen. Very much true. We are assuming in the lesser of two evils, we know the outcomes. If I do this choice, the people down this railroad track will die. If I make that choice, the people down that railroad track will die. I need to pick the lesser of those two evils. But we oftentimes use railroad tracks because that that is kind of the idea that you're throwing a switch to force the train down one path or the other, and you know the outcomes once you throw the, the switch and the train goes down. But I think also there's a lot more variables in any uh, situation. The the people, if we were talking about how many people, it would be usually without any other information, we would choose to kill less people. You know, If there are three people down this this branch of the railroad tracks, and therefore, this way, I would send it down to three because that would be less evil. I, but you know, if they depends. were all... Should they have been there? Are, are the people over here relying you know, on... This is part of the whole ethical yeah. dilemma that, that philosophers and ethicists, and try saying that ten times fast, uh, right. uh, have been debating right. for years. And but there's also the, the nuances of, well, these people are... You know, irresponsibly being on the track. These people are choosing to be on the track. These people are 95 year olds that are, you know, at the end of their life. These are 10 year olds that are just beginning their life. There's, there's so many things. And that's, you know, just a few things I can toss into the, our little story scenario. And we're it's talking clinical, about clinical, apparently very clinical. It's, it, it's trying to get at the heart of the issue, but it doesn't oftentimes apply to the real world easily. And I think. You know, we've talked about the false dilemma. It's too simple to be applied to the real life. But I think the biggest thing is that we don't have enough information to know what will happen, what may happen. We, looking at these elections, we're talking about politicians who have promised to do things. We're asking the people who are probably the least uh, truthful to tell about what will happen to tell us what will happen. You know, they don't have data to tell what will happen any more than we do, and half the time, if they did, I wouldn't trust them to give it to me. I mean, I, I think that both of the major party candidates have done a, a decent job, unfortunately, in some cases, painting a picture of what, what they would like us to, to believe, at least, their candidacy will provide for America. You know, I mean, they've stated policy statements. You want a, you want a big wall between Mexico and the U.S.? You know, vote for Trump. You want abortion rights to be cemented and, or, you know... I. Uh, to me, it's 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 not a a lack of knowledge that we have in this case. The journalists have, have done a good job of fact checking. You know, when when they say, "Well, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z," and they say, "Well, actually, that's not feasible, and Congress would never go along with that." Blah 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 blah. So I, I think you know, to me, I have a pretty good idea on the day after the election when the results are certified, assuming we don't have another uh, tie, <laughs> another hanging <laughs> situation. Yeah. When I wake up the following day, I know if I see the results, I'm going to go, oh, man, great. Or, 
oh, oh well, you know, I guess we're in for it. You know, like I'm pretty sure I know what's going to happen or I have a good enough idea that I know who I would rather be in office, but that doesn't mean I'm going to vote for either of them. Really? I, I guess this comes back to... I, I'm uh, curious about that too. Uh, if you know... If you know which you think you would rather have, which you feel is the lesser of two evils, why wouldn't you vote for that person? Because it's an endorsement. Because in the future, I want to send the statement that me as a voter, I don't roll over and just vote for the lesser of two evils because you give me so few options. And I have that luxury because I'm not in a swing state. If I was in a swing state and my vote actually counted, I would be forced to vote for Hillary Clinton and so, I don't want to do it. So let's 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 wind this back a little bit. First of all, we are in Washington state and so our state is almost guaranteed to go toward the democratic It's going to be an 80% landslide for for Clinton. It's just that's that's the nature of the state today. And tell me if you guys agree with this kind of distillation down of it. If I I have two choices really in my mind. I can vote for the choice that I think has a chance of winning. So that would be either Hillary or Trump. In this state, that actually isn't possible or isn't likely. Or I'm taking an opinion poll. I'm either not voting and saying, you know, I don't like either of the choices or any of the choices. Or I am going to write in a candidate that's that I want you to know is the, the one that most closely uh, matches my points of view. Tell me what you guys think. Is that a reasonable summation of it? Well, yeah. Yes, we are taking an opinion. But we, we are informing the future political candidates who are going to be like Donald Trump and try to take over the, the, the Republican Party and say, everyone needs to go along with me. I'm going in this direction. And I want to say, you know what? I took the trouble to vote and I'm not voting for you. I'm voting against you. I'm voting in a different direction because that's where I want my party to go. Right. And you need to listen to me and voters like me. If you want the party support, period. That's it. The that, problem, that's the statement that yeah. I need to make. The problem is, I think the party already knows that. And in this case, we're specifically talking about the Republican Party. If they don't know that, they are complete and utter idiots. But I'll tell you, <laughs> if all the Republicans just shrug and say, well, I got to vote for Trump because he, he's better than Hillary Clinton, then that will be true. But if there are enough that it would sabotage a Trump can't, you know, presidency bid, then they're going to have to think, you know, but a li- but another piece of background here, just just to kind of set the stage for a moment, is the latest polling shows that there's about an eighty percent chance that Hillary's going to win. Mm-hmm. There's a- another criteria we could use if we don't like either candidate, and that is to say, I'm going to vote for the person who is not likely to win, so that the winner doesn't get a mandate. Well, it's an interesting. It's an interesting I idea. Think- but I think what we're we're getting back to though is mm. is essentially a poll where there's the amount of votes that you need in order to elect somebody and in some states we have that choice in other states there isn't a choice Washington state is going to go democrat for the US presidential election but I think that poll that mandate is essentially how many people voted in excess or how many people and you're you're essentially given an opinion to try and sway public opinion so what I think you're also recognizing is the false dilemma of the lesser of two evils is that there's another evil that's worse than either of these candidates being elected. So let's, Tim, if you were in 
Ohio and we're actually having to pick one of the two candidates and it might actually matter in the election. If you chose to do neither of them, you say whatever comes, either candidate A or candidate B, it's actually more important that I say neither because I don't want future generations to have these kind of choices as their primary ones. And I'd rather throw one election to the wind, let whoever else decide it, so that I can say, hey, give me better choices next time. And I think that's a valid valid evil to take into consideration. The problem I have with using that as a criteria for evil, which, granted, I recognize there are a lot of people who feel that way, and in some ways it's a very... It's a, it's a notable thing to choose. The problem I have is it's also risky. We really don't know what's going to happen over the next four years. We just don't. And throwing the vote to the wind and to just kind of let whatever happens happens and at least say, hey, I wash my hands of this, I don't think is a <laughs> responsible or it's really not something we can predict. It's yeah. going back to well, that idea. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, and I think that's a, a heart temptation of mine. My heart is to vote for the guy that's going to lose because then I can wash my hands and say, hey, you know, whatever happens, I didn't vote for the the one that actually got in. It, There's it a gets, part still of it. gives you the right to complain. Yes. Well, but see, at the uh, very, but, I don't know. I, I, I look at someone who, who's going to do that and vote for Trump and say, you're part of the problem. You're the reason why we had to get Hillary Clinton into office because Donald Trump was so bad that so many Republicans said, nope, I'm going for, for Hillary. I mean, so there's there's all kinds of... Yeah. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying <laughs> my heart desires to not have to be responsible in any way. And I think but that responsible... Well, I think that I'm responsible to do what God has given me the responsibility. I'm responsible for making the best decision, for being obedient to God, to mm-hmm. use my vote, which God has given me as a stewardship, to the best of my ability. I'm not responsible for how the country turns out. That's God's area. In what is saying to the lost, God calls me to go and tell the good news of salvation, but God doesn't call me to save that person. That's God's responsibility, not mine. And I think with voting, I have a responsibility to vote. I don't have a responsibility to make sure that the country turns out okay. That's God's. And I'm I'm thinking of um, a verse in Psalms where it talks about, the heart of the king is like a water course that God causes to go wherever he chooses. And it's you know, water always follows the path that it's going to take. It doesn't get to choose. Hey, I'm going to go over this bank or I'm going to go over that bank. Editor Mike here. Actually, that quote is from Proverbs 21.1, which states, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord Yahweh. He turns it wherever he will. So, Mike, I think, first of all, that... No, you should actually uh, preach the gospel and, and witness the grace of God to Christians. Um, we need it a lot. <laughs> Thanks. But I think if you're if you're ad- abdicating your vote, if you're saying I- I'm not going to even use this, it to me it's it's a bit like burying your talent, right? You you have been given a choice, um, and yeah, maybe the right thing to do is to say these are horrible choices. I'm going to be counted as a not voter, an abstainer, because I abstain from both of these. But the way you're tempted to do that tells me that you're doing that out of fear. As a Christian, we have a responsibility to vote, and that's not a big deal in our Christian walk. Like, like 
voting is is something that we should do responsibly because we ought to. But we should not be afraid, as you say, of what might happen because we are secure. We are completely secure in who we are. Nothing can touch us. You know, if they take away all of our rights and privileges as Christians, we will still have Christ and we have not lost anything. And so I think one thing I want to say and emphasize is that in this election, especially there, there's a temptation. And I think I've fallen to it to be afraid of what will happen if the wrong person or one of these two wrong people get in office or the wrong, wrong person. Back to lizards again. And yeah, and we don't need to be because, as you say, we can just trust that, that it's in God's hands. I prefer to think, I think that in America, the people are the king. The, the election there is in, in God's hands. He, he can turn our hearts whichever way he wants. He can turn the hearts of the whole people. Or he could turn the hearts in a way that will judge us by installing poor leaders or evil leaders or righteous leaders. And to speak to that, I think if since that is true, I think as Christians, one of the things we should really be praying for, because God is the only one who can change a heart, is to turn the hearts of the people. But Josh, him. it won't happen in time for the election, and I'm so afraid! You should be. <laughs> I think, but what you're saying is, do, how much do we trust God? How much do we trust God as individuals with our life, with our lives, our very lives? Mm-hmm. And as Christians, if we are so anxious about this election, I think we really need to rethink how much we really believe that God has our best interest at heart. Now, we also have to realize that sometimes our best interest involves suffering and unpleasant things. Are we okay with that? I think for Christians who are anxious and who are afraid of doing the wrong thing or making the wrong choice, we really need to reevaluate how, you know, if we are afraid of the suffering to come or the perceived suffering to come, such as it might be, if we're afraid of that, should we not then be really reevaluating who we think God is and how good he is? and how trustworthy and faithful he is. And powerful. Right. So we've talked a couple times about endorsing, and I think of endorsing as giving my seal of approval to a particular candidate. And I, I even, I've staked my reputation on this candidate. I'm trying to convince other people to, to follow me, because not because they know the candidate that I'm wanting. I'm saying, you know me, and if you know me and like me, you'll pick who I pick. And I, I, I kind of think of this as, I have an employer who wants me to hand in a candidate that I know or people for a job. And I hand in my buddy from college and some of them I will endorse and say, Hey, hire this person. He's going to be great. Is he going to be perfect? No, but he'll fit the job. He'll do a great job. There might be somebody else that asked me to hand in their resume and I have like, Hey, I'll hand it in. But while you may be technically qualified, your character is such that Maybe you're lazy and, and, or maybe you are very angry and you don't, wouldn't fit well with the team. And I'm going to hand that resume into my employer and say, Hey, look at this person. Without your endorsement. Or it'll be an endorsement with some caveats saying, Hey, this person has technical skills, but I don't think they would be a good fit. And maybe you should look for somebody else. And I think that's always going to be the case. I'm never going to give somebody in and say, they're going to be perfect. There's no call qualifications to my endorsement. 
there are going to be some people that I might hand in and there are going to be a lot of qualifications to my endorsement. And there are going to be ones I'm, I'm handing it in. I don't think you're great. I don't think you're qualified, but I'll hand it in and I'll tell my employer that don't well, hire them. And I think that that is a great description of what it means to endorse a person. Or we could also make the same argument for a product. The problem is that is not the situation we find ourselves in when we go to vote. We are given two candidates and one must be chosen. So in a sense, we're not in the employee side and endorsing someone for for a new job. We're actually on the employer side. We've gotten, let's say, only two resumes in and we upper have to management. Ch- yeah, we're, under, we're now upper management and now we have to choose one of these two resumes. No, no, I'm saying upper management says you have to hire somebody by Friday. Right, right. Okay, sure. Yeah. Upper, so I'm Tuesday. Under, Tuesday. So I'm a lower level manager and upper management says you must, yeah, you must hire someone by Tuesday and I'm given these two resumes and I have to choose one. How do I do that? Obviously I'm not, I, as the one choosing, am not necessarily endorsing. I'm just looking at these two candidates and saying, which would be the lesser of two evils, <laughs> right? So I think that I can endorse some candidates out there, but I don't think this year the, the two primary ones are ever going to come close to my endorsement, whether I vote for them or not. I just don't think that they are good, good candidates for a president. I think they're, they're, they're particularly poor. And I think just to kind of go off of that really quickly – as Christians, especially where both candidates, I think most people will, will agree they're not particularly great candidates this year. I think we need to have some grace for each other, for differences. I think, I don't know what either of you are going to do in the voting booth. And honestly, to be quite honest with you, I'm not sure I know what I'm going to do in the voting booth this year. And two things to say about that. First, that perspective has given me a little, a a small measure of grace for others who are struggling. It gives me a great deal of of grace for people who are um, maybe choosing things not the way I would, not following any of these criteria per se. And it gives me a certain amount of, it is required me to have a certain amount of peace and be okay with not knowing because I've had to work through a lot of this and and, and realize how difficult it is. And I think we should have grace for each other in an arguably difficult election. And I think each of us will be held accountable to God for how, maybe not the choice that we make, but but for the heart that we had when we made it. Well, great. And there goes all of my peace that I just, <laughs> that I just had a moment no, no, ago. But, <laughs> You know, if you are seeking God's glory, if you are doing your best, if you're ignorant of something through no fault of your own, you know, God is not going to to say, hey, I gave you one talent. Why don't you make 10 of it? He recognizes the skills and the, the position that you have and the knowledge. You know, most of us are ignorant because not because we didn't study enough, but because the information is not there to know what's going to happen, let alone what these characters are really intending to do. But I think if I am lazy about my choice, if I abdicate my responsibilities, and I'm thinking that the, the, the parable of the people who were given the talents, you know, some of them went out and made great uh, returns on, on the, the money that they've been given. But I think even if they hadn't made great returns, if they had made something, 
or if they had tried, or at this, least if they were acting as responsibly as if, they could, right. at least put it in the bank. And I think that that to me eliminates the, the option of well, just don't vote. Hmm. The one who buried it in the ground and says, "I'm not going to do anything with this." They're the ones that weren't stewards of God. They didn't even try. They didn't. Well, great, Tim. Now you've eliminated another one of my <laughs> options. Well, Josh, yeah. um, now, I have an endorsement for you. Yeah. Um, there, there's a book I recently read. It's called The Voting Booth. Uh, it's by, by um, Sky Jatani. It's, it's kind of a, a Christmas Carol style, three spirits of voting or, or of, of cultural engagement in general. Um, but it happens inside of a voting booth where an undecided Christian goes in and asks God for wisdom and clarity. It talks about you know, just historically, just different ways that Christians have approached culture, whether it's exile, where we remove ourselves from the culture and we say, I don't care what the culture does, they can go to hell in a handbasket, we're going to have Christian music and Christian schools and Christian this. And the other one is is taking over the culture, um, where we where we insert ourselves as a Daniel or an Esther, and we say, we're going to protect, make America safe for Christianity, and make sure that we have rights and privileges and then there's the third option, which um, he calls incarnation, which is to to be safe, to feel that you are safe, that God can't, uh, that God has promised you that you are His, and so you don't need to worry that if bad things happen to you because you're His or He's yours. Yeah, both. But the the modus, the driving motive of exile is fear, and the driving motive of of exodus is fear. You're running away, or you're 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 fighting or flighting, but if, if we can have love for our neighbors, if we can, you know, and you're right. I think, I think really it boils down to what we want for ourselves is to say, I, I made this choice, whatever it was, because I love my neighbors and I love my country and I want their good. And this is my country. And, you know, it's, it's not, it's not their country and I'm not, I'm not fighting against them. I choose this as mine. And I think that there's power in that and it's undeniable and people will know. When, when you love them, even in the voting booth. I think. So, so clearly, if your vote equals love, I think we're back to the, we really shouldn't be voting for anyone again. <laughs> and, and just to be clear, you know, if you choose not to vote as a way to send a message as part of that poll, that's fine. But I want you to be actually choosing mm-hmm. to try to do something Instead rather than burying your head. Burying your head, you know, saying, walking away, saying... I'm not going to do something with uh, this that God has given me. And I think even when I disagree with people, if they're trying to do the best that they can, I'm not going to go and fault them for coming to a different conclusion as long as they're genuinely trying and they're, they are walking with God in, in the best way that they know how. Because we've all agreed, we don't know how this is going to end and and we can't see. God has not given us a verse that says, this is who you should vote for. He's given us lots of wisdom, saying these are the characteristics of godly people. These are characteristics of justice that you should be looking for. Do the best. with. I think God gives us lots of, of freedom to try and implement that, and he's more worried with what is our heart. I think, especially on Facebook, because so many people, it's, it's so hard to construct a, a Facebook page or, or, or group of friends that is not an echo chamber, that is not a, a reflection of, of your viewpoint being echoed back more than others because simply of how social systems work. So it's important, I think, for me, I found, you know, that um, 
the XKCD comic where, where, you know, it's honey, come to bed. I can't. Something is, somebody is wrong on the internet. I think the verse I would give You'll for that sleep. is, um, I think it's in, in second Timothy, might be in first Timothy, but he's, it, Paul says, the servant of the Lord must not strive with men, but patiently instructing them. Yeah. Basically appealing to them, lest God, or, you know, just in case God might grant them repentance. And so they would come to the knowledge of the truth. There's, there's a lot of fear out there and a lot of just untruth. And it's not necessarily my job to fix it all. Mm. I'm not supposed to strive with men and argue and argue and make sure everyone knows the truth or everyone is right. All right. Or as right as me. To heck with Um, this podcast then. (laughs) But, but it does say gently instructing. And I think that's, that's what we can do in our, in our conversations with others, in our podcasts, uh, in our Facebook posts, in our Twitter is to gently instruct and perhaps God will take that and use it. But that's not our responsibility. That's not um, something to worry about. Yes. And I think, I think that's important and it can give us peace and we can love someone that disagrees with us and offer them the truth even. And if they reject it, that's fine. We can still love them. The other thing that we've talked about a lot on this podcast if somebody disagrees with you, don't burn them at the stake. Maybe ask why they hold the, the views that they do. And you might be surprised they aren't just off the reservation in their, their views. They may have some good reasons. They may not, but find out. I think, and, I think that's one of the reasons why I have I, I still don't know what I'm going to do. Is I, When I talk to people, a lot of people have some really good reasons. And a lot of people have some reasons I just can't agree with. But this is a hard, hard decision. And I, as much as I would love to wrap up the podcast and say, Hey, you should do this. I don't know that we can do that, but I think we can at least give people some tools for how to approach this problem and consider the the truth we'll say of their decision. Well, actually I think we should wrap up the podcast now. And on the count of three, I want you to all say exactly who you're going to vote for. So one, Two, three. Well, that's all for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Join us again next time when we consider truth. Episode six was recorded on October 16th, 2016. Considering Truth is produced by Mike with assistance from Josh and Tim. Wonderland music provided by Dexter Britton. If you'd like to comment or provide feedback, you can email us at consideringtruth at gmail.com. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, God, I hope I did the right thing. <laughs>